Welcome to Browner and Lawhead. I'm John Brown. You're also joined by Jason Lawhead, comedian extraordinaire on the mightier 1090 ESPN. The Southern California mega market has struck again on our Friday. Going into a 4th of July weekend, there'll be no show on Monday for people who are looking and clamoring for the show because everyone's taking it off for the day. Just a heads up to everybody. I also think that's a heads up to Jason, who I think just found out just right now. Well, What's I was going to. What up? I was going to talk to you about that uh, eventually and see if we were doing something. Because, yeah, I just kind of realized that was coming around the corner. But yeah. uh, it's amazing. July's already here. And, uh, you know, this is where, you know, this maybe the seismic shift in baseball starts moving a little bit. And, and July is kind of that month um, of kind of proving yourself so it'll be a lot lot going on in july with uh, our hometown padres to look at um we are uh we're, we're on the show today we're going to talk about freddie freeman being sad about taking 162 million dollars which huh we'll talk about yeah. the thesis timeline coming back because that now came at the focus i stole a um i stole a um let me actually get it in here i stole a chart from the earlier show from Kaplan and crew. So don't tell anybody it was me. We're going to okay. use it on this show. Normally I don't steal their stuff, but I am, I'm stealing Alex's work and I'm not giving him any residuals. I'm just giving him acknowledgement <laughs> that he created this. And now I'm using it on our show. But before I start that, I want to, I want to hit on something that I don't normally get a chance to talk about. And it's not like, it's like a huge deal to me, but I also believe in speaking on something that is, Important from a sports landscape. Serena Williams yesterday, God, I don't want to say she got pummeled, but she got she got beat pretty handily by I think it was the number one fifteen ranked person in the world, someone named Harmony Tan, which sounds like a something you get at a hot topic, but it's not. <laughs> it is legit some person who beat her pretty easily. Um, and I, we always talk about Willie Mays being lost in center field. We oftentimes talk about the Muhammad Ali doing these trick fights at the end. I don't want Serena Williams' legacy to end. I mean, it's her legacy. It's hers to finish in any way, shape, or form she sees fit. Serena Williams is one of the greatest athletes in American history. Okay. She's the best women's global athlete ever. And I don't want that to end in a way where she's Jordan on the Wizards. Because even though Jordan was productive on the Wizards, it wasn't the same. And I think that with the, the way that her career is forming out, whether it be because of health reasons, whether it become uh, of, as a player, once you get that great at something, you dominate the game for so long for almost a full decade, you become interested in other things. And at one point she was more interested in fashion and it was at tennis and, and, and then she had a child and then she had some health scares following the birth of her child. And so Serena Williams should always be seen as one of the greatest athletes in American history. And I never want anyone to utter anything other than that about her. And the way that she's going out it kind of feels like we're approaching the the Michael Jordan on the Wizards, not yet the Will, Willie Mays in center field. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still wouldn't count her out. Um, as far as she looked bad yesterday, it, man. Okay. She looked bad yesterday. And then, you know, she's obviously on the, on the other side of fighting father time. There's no right. doubt about that, but you know, she won a set. She lost a set in the tiebreaker. Obviously the, the, the glaring part is the 115th ranked player in the world. First round of Wimbledon, that kind of uh, exit is beyond Serena like beyond just an upset in the quarters or semifinals to some up and coming, you know, player that, that has a higher ranking. Sure. It isn't that, but I truly think that, you know, this is also one of those things that could be a switch flipper for her. This could be a, I got too, I got too soft. I didn't, I didn't stay hungry. I spent too much time with the family. Not that that's like, I'm not saying that in a bad way. You know what I mean? Like, there's just going to have, oh, of course maybe I know those, what you, mean. Yes. You, you know what I mean? Like maybe there's just those, like I got, you know, just, I just did too many things that champions don't do when they're mm-hmm. trying to be champions because it's been, the getting's been so good. And I, you know, and, and I've worked so hard. I've worked so long, you know, you, it, as I get old, I got to remember, this isn't just a turnkey operation anymore. And I've got to go out and, and play a little harder. And I think maybe this is going to give her something a little bit more to prove. And maybe it isn't. Maybe, and, and, and going on your point with, with your, I hope this isn't that, that part, maybe it's either two switches, right? It's going to be either that switch I just mentioned, or maybe the switch to say, and if it is that switch, I hope she does it quickly to say, I'm done. I, I, I'm not the player I was. I'm going to walk out on top. I'm going to do one more circle tour of all the, the great stops in the majors and play as best I can and get as ready as I can. And I'm not going to let um, whatever the results are define me. This has been I my think- career. You said a decade. It's been two. I mean, these girls started when they were, I mean, right. this is 20 year. This is, this is a type of, a career that is on the short, short lists of the greatest careers of all sports, any sports, Tom Brady's, uh, all of them included, uh, you know, Rocky Marciano, all of them, Joe Lewis, whatever you want to say, especially the individual sport. She put a stranglehold on her sport that is rarely seen by at any level of competition. Like Tom Brady had a massive gap between when he won Super Bowls. Like right. and, and when I say a decade, I mean a decade. Not yeah. that she hasn't been great for two decades. I say a decade because for a for a solid decade, yeah. you were not going to beat her. And if you did, it was because she beat herself. There was not a better tennis player on the circuit. And I, I, I talk about, or we talk about in sports, the legacy of things. The legacy of things. You want to end the legacy properly. Tony Gwynn's legacy as a San Diego Padre was perfect. When it was over, it was over. You don't have a bad thought about Tony Gwynn. I, 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 yeah. Kobe Bryant's legacy, although complicated, ended with a bang. Right. It, that, that is important that people see Babe Ruth, you. not so much. Exactly. Right? Like, you know, even as somebody as heralded as a Babe Ruth really went down, you know, when you know his history – from the Yankees to the Boston Braves, and then just the way he went out in in bad shape and swinging John and Elway falling down. 
John yeah. Elway is a perfect example of this is the best time to exit. Yeah. Back-to-back Super Bowls. Peyton Manning, same thing. This is the time to exit. So there's ways that it can be done. The exit can be graceful. The exit can be done with a level of not – I mean, class is a bad word, but w- without putting yourself in a position in this other bundle of mega super athlete stars that ended because they didn't want to stop. And so I hope that she finds herself in the Peyton Manning, John Elway category, more likely that she finds herself in the Michael Jordan on the Babe Wizards Ruth. again. Yeah. Babe Ruth. Right. Uh, 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 sure. Willie Mays. Willie Mays. Sure. Like there's so many of there's so Ali. many. Yeah. I mean, at one point, Hakeem Olajuwon doesn't necessarily fall into this category, but Hakeem Olajuwon was on the uh, Toronto Raptors. No one remembers that. Yeah. And so you you don't want your career to end like that. But again, she's been so great and so influential and such a game changer for women's sports. She deserves to go out in any way she sees fit. I just hope that it's in a way that we can all remember on a good note, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I'll, I'll say one thing uh, about Serena to close, and, and you know, being a comic and me being a sports guru my whole life, being a sports fan, I've attended so many amazing events. Right? I have a list. I have ticket stuff. I have memorabilia from some of the greatest things I've ever done. And and as a comic, I may have made some light about women's sports in the jest of ha ha, right? But I know and respect what I know and see and respect. And one of the great, great events I've ever been to, one of the things I looked most forward to, one of my favorite athletes has ever been Serena Williams. I mean, I've always loved watching her play, compete. And um, I got the chance. I mean, in 2014, I was at center court at the U.S. Open uh, for the semifinals against Caroline Wozniacki, and she just disposed of her. And what an amazing experience, right? You know, like I got to see just recently, I got to see Tiger Woods at, at Augusta. It's one of those things. I saw Ted Williams come out. I was at the 1999 All-Star Game in Fenway Park in Boston when they had the century's greatest players. I saw Ted Williams come out on the golf cart and a Tony Gwynn, the whole thing. I was right there, men crying. I mean, and that's really on the short list. I've seen some amazing Rose Bowls. I've seen some All-Star Games. I mean, uh and that really was, I mean, I remember going to the, the, the USO to Flushing, New York that day on the train, just so geeked and so excited that I was going to see Serena Williams play in a major semifinal. It was unreal. So I'm with you, man. And I hope that switch, like I said earlier, is one of those two switches. I hope it's either got to get back to it um, and get myself ready because I, I've, I've let it go. Or you know what? Maybe it's time to, you know, just ride off into the sunset. And if it's her last one or if she wants to go on like a farewell tour, I'd love to see that, too. She's earned it. Um, Speaking of earning things, Freddie Freeman earned every penny of his massive 100. uh, uh, It was a hundred and sixty one million dollar deal. I wrote I wrote it down somewhere. Let me see what I have. Uh, $162 million six-year deal that he got from the Dodgers. And upon his return to Atlanta, he received such a roar of appreciation and thank you from the Atlanta fan base for delivering a, a homegrown guy, delivering them a World Series. He was moved. 
He was literally moved to tears, which I don't know if that is the ex- <laughs> that it did end there. So apparently, Freddie Freeman fired his agent uh, as of this week because the agent was in charge of negotiating the contract that got Freddie Freeman from Atlanta to Los Angeles, which led people like Clayton Kershaw to kind of go, wait, what? what's happening here? It appears this was said by Freddie Freeman in discussing firing his agent. He said, last weekend in Atlanta, I was very emotional for me and my family. I am working through some issues with my longtime agent at Excel. My representation remains a fluid situation, and I will update if needed. There needs to be closure. It's time. I'm a Dodger for the next six years, and that's where my focus lies, which I went, what? Huh? You took $162 million from them. Yeah, you're a Dodger. Why Why the hell are you even having this conversation on June the 28th? Why is this a topic of discussion? You are now in the race for another World Series. And you are, I don't, I don't want to call it getting nostalgic, but you're a big boy. You took the money. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you loved Atlanta so much, it wasn't like they were offering you six years, $100 million. I think it was like 150. Your agent did his job. He got you the money. And now you're, I don't know, because your heart's in Atlanta? Then that's where you should have kept your butt. Like this idea that, oh, my family is emotional for us. Because now you're realizing you made the wrong decision. Is it the agent's fault that you took the money? No, because he works for you. It's your fault. It's your fault. And now you got to eat it. Now you got to sit on it, Freddie Freeman, and cut it with this, 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 I don't even know what the, the, the whining. Cut it with the whining, dude. Either you're buckling up with this team or you're not. Yeah, that was a long kind of drawn out way to say, uh, you know, I'm pissed I'm here, but I'll deal with it. Yeah, pretty much. Right? And I almost feel like it kind of comes like, you know, anybody now. Gosh. And, 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 and obviously, if, you, if you're coming to L.A. in any type of entertainment these days, it's almost like you come there and you, you just become this if you aren't already this. I mean, or deep down, it's just kind of like, well, I'm not getting what everybody else is around here. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's just the attitude, right? Like, wait a minute, huh? I mean, I should have got more. What if I'm going to have to be out here? Wait a minute, I'm playing alongside of this. Is th- th- he didn't do this right? And then you just got you're just looking around at a bunch of other situations, and then all of a sudden you're trying to blame people for why you didn't get as much, or it didn't, it wasn't right, or it should have been better, or if we came here, well, why didn't we get that? Why didn't we did like? And so. That that seems he, he you know more to be his focus than being a Dodger. And like you said, he chose six years. You know, I, like you said, if you if you if you love this this franchise in Atlanta so much, you know, sign for four. I mean, you decided to go to Los Angeles for six years. Your <laughs> your agent didn't forge your signature on that contract he went out and negotiated 
the best deal in terms over the over the offer that the hometown Atlanta Braves were making, which was a generous one. And and for a team, I think when you look at at a lot of patterns in baseball that aren't the Yankees, Dodgers, or Red Sox in the last 20, 30 years, you look at a lot of situations. So a lot of teams are like, we got that World Series, destroy this. If that was the Marlins, if that was the Cubs, if that was the Royals, Right, I mean, Atlanta was red, was is still willing to say, "Let's roll this, let's run this back." Yeah, here, here's one fifty. Here, here, here's a deal. You, we love you. You love us. Let's win another one or two or three more in the next five or six years of this contract. I mean, he was lucky even to just be in that situation where Atlanta was ready to be like, "Let's, let's." Let, I mean, they're one of the few franchises out there that wouldn't have just been happy with that world series and scrapped it and started over because they're not the big muscle teams of those big markets I just mentioned. So now he's in one of those big markets and he doesn't like it. It's you can't make this stuff up and then they want you to feel sympathy for him. It's, it's unbelievable. So after done, after doing some research, it says Freddie Freeman was reportedly offered five years, 135 million by the Braves uh, prior to the off season. I'm going to tell you something right now. 135 in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia, is 165 in, in Los Angeles, yeah, my man. Probably I, more. If Probably more. Especially when you want to get back to Atlanta with and be with your family. You know, all of that bouncing back and forth just to go to the places and be around the people and the family and the structures that you want outside of baseball. It's way more money. It, 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 there's no doubt it's way and more two, money. Too, I want to be very clear about this. In Los Angeles, baseball in that dugout and that organization, that's a business, baby. From from front to back, that is a well-run business. In Atlanta, I think he had more of a family atmosphere because he came up through that process. The, Freddie Freeman was drafted by them, played in their minor league system, and played in the big leagues and won a World exactly. Series with them. He's at you, the front you, of the line of their legendary yes, of their legendary yes, players, right? Like yes. his painting's one of the first two or three in that franchise because that's the first World Series since Glavin and Maddox and those guys. And you're oh, right. Yeah. He is Sandy Koufax in Atlanta, but guess what? He's way down the line of he's guys not even in a picture here. In murals of a Dodger uniform. Way down. He's not even yeah, you're right. He's not, he's they, not they're even not even thinking picture. about his mural. No, no. They, they 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 didn't even ask for a, a picture for his face because uh -uh. he ain't getting one. So no. the, I I think that a lot of times this is where this happens in every sport. You've got to tell the agent you work for me. This is mm -hmm. what I want you to do. Now, if you allow the agent to come in and convince you that that extra thirty million dollars is better for you and your family, you as a as a person who has the money. You have to go, well, wait, that extra 30 million will be going in taxes in California. Like before I even get it, they'll get it. In Atlanta, in Georgia, I will be able that my the homes will be cheaper. The travel will be cheaper. Like there's so everything for my children will be cheaper. Everything for my family will be more affordable. So I I it it upsets me to hear Freddie Freeman talk like this because this is a cautionary tale of it's not about the money. 
And he had an opportunity to prove that it's not about the money. And now his whining six months later is showing you that it was the move was made about the money. Firing the agent is the first indication that this was about the money. Crying on the field during your introduction in Atlanta is a sign of where you want it to be. I mean, Freddie Freeman is an emotional guy. He got a double. Is his first hit as the Dodger. He cried during that too. So maybe don't let the tears be an indication of how happy he is or isn't with the place. I just don't think that Freddie Freeman's reaction to firing his agent because the negotiation kind of now blew up on him and he doesn't want to be in Los Angeles. He's got buyer's remorse. It's not the agent's fault. It's yours. But it's not your fault you're here. It's our fault you're here. It's our fault to keep you here. <laughs> Brown and Lawhead will be back. Uh, Miter 1090 ESPN. And we've got something else on the other side. Welcome back to the second. Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. I'm John Brown. A little, little uh, stutter stumber out of the gate there. Uh, Miter 1090 ESPN. John Browner, Jason Lawhead. Browner and Lawhead coming to you Monday through Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Everything you hear on the show is available via the iTunes podcast store and the YouTube under the Kaplan and crew. Something's wrong with the TV, so that's why I got the brown fact shirt hanging up back there. Um, pay that pay that no mind or go to uh, KaplanandCrew.com and buy one of those things. Anyway, uh, previously on the show, we talked about Freddie Freeman becoming a big old baby about receiving $160 million and wishing he was somewhere else with the same amount of money. Buyer's remorse. And how great is Serena Williams and, and what her career has meant to tennis and to sports we broke down both of those things jason shared a great story about actually seeing her live uh beat carolyn wozniacki however mm-hmm. that's pronounced um you know what's funny thing about her she got dumped hard by uh this golf kid uh, rory. rory mcelroy just hard rory, rory mcelroy she hard retired early too she was one of those that uh, you know yeah. very competitive highly ranked in the world i don't know uh, the list of her majors, she may have just won a couple, maybe not, you know, one, two, maybe, but she was always in the mix. But she, yeah, she got out of it early and found love after Rory. Uh, I like tennis. I've always, and I like women's tennis. I always have um, because I think it just, it's a, it's a more fluid sport out of the two to watch the men just crush the ball so hard. You can't really relate to it, but um uh, yeah, so I follow both Caroline Wozniacki and Serena as well as some other players on on the social medias. And I like Caroline. She's 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 having a great life, and she found a new man, and she's married, and she travels. And uh, so uh, kudos to her. But yeah, what a great experience that was. We got to meet John Mack, my good friend uh, Joe, a buddy of mine who is a uh, kind of a you know. Um, high roller, I would say in certain senses and not meaning like the way, like not flamboyant. He just, you know, he, he, he has a she nice life. $35 million playing tennis. Who Wozniacki? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, he had this great suite. So that's why we were at center court. I got to, we got to meet John McEnroe. He came in and did a, a sweet visit for the, the company that my buddy like was involved with. And uh, awesome experience. Awesome. She Beautiful was. day in September in, uh, she won the Australian Open once. She finished in the quarterfinals of the French Open twice. Right. She was good in the she, French a lot. She made it to the Wimbledon fourth round. One, two, three, four, five, six. And she made it to the finals in the U.S. Open in 2009 and 2014. 
2014. Right. Okay. So it was a 2014. Uh-huh. Yeah. US, so I saw the open US Open final, right? Oh, yeah. Man, she won yeah. $35 million yeah. playing that tennis. A- oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's not bad. And I'd have retired she, too. She probably retired in her 20s. Man, and now she's probably like a model or something. Oh, you yeah, know. she's living the best life. She's got her, her, her husband. They're always all over the world. She's, she's you know, got a, a, a house in you know, Italy, I think, Lake Como or something. She's always at. They're, they're living a good life. She got $35 million. She can have a house exactly. Shout out to her. Rory, bro, uh, you might have dropped the ball. Right? Uh, I mean, I would look up Rory McIlroy's girlfriend, but... This is a radio show. It's not He's a television too. show. Yeah. Um, we have been locked into this saga locally about whether or not and when. No, more like when, not whether or not. Fernando Tatis Jr. will return. The Padres have now recently put out. And shout out to Alex Padilla from Capital and the Crew for making this logo or making this graphic and me stealing it. The timeline. The Tatis timeline, this is his expected recovery. Now, you can do the time in your, the calendar in your head, and then I'll break down why I think this is all a bunch of gobbledygook. He is expected to recover. So in two weeks, for two weeks, he needs to do 100% full swings off the tee. And then after that, he needs to hit for 10 days off of a machine. He has to do simulated games and a rehab assignment. Jason, you've been around athletes all your life. Mm-hmm. I have never seen someone of his age and his talent not go through anything like, let's say, a knee or a wrist. Well, more like a knee or, or back or neck. Probably an ankle. Outside of that, nobody follows these plans. Right. This idea that this kid's going to swing for two weeks at 100% on a tee. I got news for people. I'm expecting Fernando Tatis Jr. to be back after the All-Star break. They play the Mets in New York as in the first series the day after the All-Star break ends. And I'm expecting him to be on, on the diamond, taking ground balls, and in the starting lineup. Because once he starts swinging the bat, once he starts feeling healthy, I can pretty much guarantee you he's going to go, I'm playing. Let's go do this simulation game. Right. And let me take this quick minor league rehab before before the All-Star break. So when you – because let me see, that, that amounts about 21 to 28 days, this program. It's the 29th now. The All-Star game's on the 18th. If you see him mysteriously end up in – El Paso or Albuquerque. I think their minor league affiliate is in Albuquerque. Oh, Lake Elsinore. If you find him in Lake Elsinore or in El Paso within the next week or so, that's forecasting he's coming back way sooner than this timeline would suggest. Well, I agree in the sense that, uh, you know, will he follow this? Probably not. In, in my in my opinion and estimation, that kind of timeline, those types of things never existed until like the last 20 years of analytical baseball. Right. Once once. And then, you know, this these are just these are just uh, things to keep nerds employed. 
right? These baseball teams have employed so many people from the, you know, the health and training aspect and the analytical aspect. I mean, there's, these are just, this is just, uh, this is just a guy over preparing to keep his job and make his job seem way more important than it probably is. And the more they have these types of regiments and these types of studies on pitch counts and this type of, uh, time off when your shoulders this sore compared to that sore and what the rehab you know and they these are just things that have just evolved over time and taken on a life of their own in baseball and you know it's it's not the old days of nolan ryan nolan ryan holds the whole thing was take take four advil and pitch through pain throw on how do you how do you get through shoulder pain you say throw 130 pitches through it and then you, you know <laughs> something else will hurt and uh so yeah, I don't I don't buy that if he's feeling good in any moment of this. You're right, he's gonna be speeding up these simulation or or rehab games or or whatnot. And you know, after a loss like last night, you hope that you can try to maybe get a guy that's motivated to get out there and 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 maybe be ready quicker. Um uh and you know, obviously I, I think before the all-star break is definitely a, a pipe dream, but if he's speeding up that timeline like you said and by the all-star break an all-star game he's played a simulation or rehab game by then then it isn't uh far-fetched to see him right after it in my opinion especially if you know the Padres go a little sideways let's hope they don't but you know a big loss like that that one last night that's just not a loss on an everyday loss you know that's the kind of loss that you know, you couple that with a couple more bad. You got the Dodgers you got four with. You got the Giants you got four with them before. So, you know, you lose three or four. You lose two or you know, three, two or three to somebody else. Um, In the next 14 days, it could get ugly in the standings for the Padres if it's not handled correctly. Right. And, and you so just you don't could- want the, you just don't want to, to have even a, a, you know, a mini spiral that just kind of loses all that momentum and ground you gained getting to where you are by the end of right. June and where you are in the standings without Tatis and with a, with a Snell not being the guy you hope he'd be and, and still being a, a top team in the, in the league. You don't want that, you know, going side. So the faster he gets back there, the better, in my opinion, as long as he's healthy. But at some point, I mean, he's been, he's been off for a long time. And so Let's let let's take a look at let's chat about what happened last night. Because what happened today is it, it's today. Let's talk about what happened last night. Because what happened last night was egregious on so many levels. It's one of those where do we start situations. Because uh, for me, whoever's in charge of the pitch count, you're culprit number one. Eric Hosmer, you're culprit number two. I don't the winning run scored because they the pitching collapsed by the way again so before we even get to blame Eric Hosmer right I was just going to say that winning run was bound to score cuz that's what was going to happen in that game the Sean Manaya pitch count had basically gotten out of control before Bob Melvin and this is something where I was not expecting to see from Bob Melvin cuz he knows Sean Manaya well he coached, he managed them in Oakland. So this idea that he said, you know, he probably shouldn't have sent them out there again. That kind of bothers me because you know this guy and, and he couldn't muster up to what you knew him to do against one of the worst teams in the league. Okay. 
if you manage that correctly, or let's say he gives up the four runs, which he did, it is what it is. You go into the next inning, you still got a two-run advantage. The bullpen has constantly put this team in a negative situation. And it the house of horrors for the bullpen started on opening night on National Beer Night when some kid named something beer hit a walk-off home run for the Diamondbacks against the Padres. So I have a philosophy on how you make it to the playoffs and how you be successful. You win series against teams like the Diamondbacks. You dominate the Diamondbacks, the Reds, the Rockies, the Royals, uh, the Cubs at this point because they they're not very good. You dominate the Oakland A's of the world, the Texas Rangers. You dominate these teams. And then against good teams, you just be 500. And that'll get you in the playoffs in baseball because a lot of teams are under 500. And if you cannot do that, if you start dropping games the way that they did last night, if that becomes more of a trend than a hiccup, then we're looking at last year all over again. Yeah, that's not what you want because, no. uh, you know, it's one thing to lose seven to six to the Diamondbacks in the middle of the season somewhere. But when you're nine outs away with a six run lead on a team like that, this isn't the Dodgers. This isn't, uh, you know, the Mets playing great baseball or or, or, or the Cardinals on fire. The Yankees. This is, yeah, this isn't one of those tried and true types of teams that you know you always got to look over your shoulder with especially when you when you've got them where you want them like that so because uh, you're gonna have like you said you're gonna have a hard enough time just you know keeping your neck above water against these really good teams that you are gonna either see or have to beat out to get to the playoffs um and that's like that's what i that's one of those games that you worry about when you know some questions aren't answered and maybe melvin Maybe Melvin got a little bit too, I know Mania, you know, let him go through. Yeah. I, I'd like to see him at least finish this inning and, you know, uh, we'll get the bullpen to where it is here. But, um, you know, uh, not maybe not assuming more about the Diamondbacks than being more confident about Manaya is maybe where he got in trouble as well. Those two things probably hit each other in an intersection. And before Melvin knew it, um, he knew that that thing was just getting away from him. And then, and then once the bullpen started surrendering uh, the lead, it was just a matter of time. And you can blame Hosmer, you can blame plays, but it just seemed like that, that, that house of cards was tumbling no matter if Hosmer makes that play or not. They, they, it feels like the Diamondbacks win that game somewhere in that, in that game. I agree with you. I mean, I'm not – the way that the bullpen was – like, they were hitting guys. They were hitting guys to walk runs in. Like, I don't – like, who does that? Not yeah. one. Okay, one, you hit a guy, you hit a guy. Okay. Not one, two. Two. Yeah. So, Con consecutive. It it hurts. It hurts in a long season when you have a loss like that because those are the ones that are difficult to shake. And so I I I I see this team as a contender. I I don't necessarily know what's going to happen or what kind of moves they could make. I don't even know who's really out there for them to bring in around the trade deadline because no one's really uh, drummed up those names yet. But I hope at the end of the day, this is a learning lesson for this organization and for this for this manager with this club, and that they can put their arms around this and yeah. get past this. Because again, <laughs> we, you got Clevenger going today. 
you you had it. There's no Tatis. There's no Manny. And you had a six-run lead with nine outs to go. You have to win that game. The pitching staff has to secure that win by any means. Yeah, and these types of games don't unfold. I mean, these types of games unfold a lot. This wasn't a fluke. Yes. You're going to see this type of challenge again, no matter whether the score is six to nothing or seven to four, and it's late right. in the game, and you're in these situations. Like, these are the types of things that will show their heads again. And it's the matter of the Padres of cutting the head off of that, off of that snake that starts rising up because. That's what happens in baseball, man. You got to get through sometimes. You got to buckle down and get out of early jams and settle in. Or you got to, you know, fight back a, a late rally in a game that you look like you had one in the third inning. And all of a sudden, you're in a one-run game in the eighth or ninth. So these types of things will come. They're going to look a little different a lot of different times. But they're going to be the same type of situation late in a game that mm -hmm. is going to have to be answered to be a contender. And uh, yeah, so can they wrap their arms around that, that one last night and not let that be one of those, you know, baseball, we talked about the traditions and, and everything, the DNA of baseball and superstitions slumps, dude, things come. There's just like bad mojos can happen. So, it, you know, is that something that's going to, you know, kind of play with their psyche or is that something that's going to kind of button it up? We'll see. Uh, As we get ready to get out of here, it's 4th of July weekend. I want to remind people in San Diego County, clean up your mess, man. Please, mm -hmm. please, please, please clean up your mess. If you if you know someone coming into town, if the Zonies are riding in for the 4th of July the weekend. Zonies. <laughs> clean up. Tell them to clean up their mess. Yeah. If you tell see them to clean up before they even get to town. How about just <laughs> tell them to clean up? <laughs> <laughs> If you see something, man, say something, man. I look. I don't got a problem with it. The, the, the banner holiday in San Diego is Fourth of July. It just is, and it's okay. I love it. I partook in it a lot of the time. Now, you you, you wouldn't catch me at a beach this mm -hmm. weekend. I live no. here. I'll wait till Tuesday when it's empty, or I'll go today when it's empty. I the downside to living in a place where people vacation is that when you hit a day like 4th of July, it is miserable. There's going to be nowhere to park. There's right. going to be a bunch of out of state plates and there's going to be a bunch of people being drunk and being stupid. And look at me being guarded in my city now that I have to deal with for this weekend. So be safe. You're not going to be sober, so I'm not going to say that. But be safe and look around and tell people to clean up their mess, man, because we live here. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, we live at the beach, near the beach, because of the beach. And 4th of July, we're not going anywhere near it. Now, what we'll do is we're lucky enough. We live up, up above on the hill above Del Mar Fairgrounds, right? So we can just walk our neighborhood, and we're perched above that. So um, we like uh, we have a little streets back here. We'll walk in our neighborhood. We'll take a couple little chairs around sunset and we'll chill at home for, you know, throughout the day. We have our own little pool at the, at the complex here and, you know, make something and hang out. We got a little patio and we'll walk up there 
around fireworks time for the Del Mar Fair. We'll pop a little lawn chair up. People are cool. You know, the locals drive up. They park their cars. If they have convertibles, they sit out. Some people just bring little wine and cheese and whatever. And uh, I'm at that speed now, man. And I just, we do that. We walk right back home. But, um, yeah, it gets crazy around those beaches, man, uh, from from the top of the county to the bottom of the county. And it is, I, I don't see the appeal. Yeah, if you're from out of town, maybe. But I don't see the appeal. Right. Right. When you live here, you look at all those. You you can't see the sand. No, you can't you see. Can't. The, it's like it's it's, a, it's literally a sea of people. And to me, living here for 20 plus years, it's not worth it. It's not if, if you have friends because people who live here, they're doing backyard stuff. People who right. live here, they're doing neighborhood gatherings. Right. People like that live kind of here. As adults, you're not going to the beach. You're just not. Because I haven't even gotten into the whole you could get into a fight situation. Because that also happens, too, at the beach on 4th of July. Road you know, rage, alcohol. the traffic down there, uh, the road rages and everything. Steroids. over parking spots, and it's insane, dude. If you cannot prove that you do leg day, but your upper body is so massively cut, <laughs> that the steroids have clearly taken over your brain. You relax on the beach, buddy. Okay. Yeah. I know you worked all year to take your shirt off this weekend. Keep it cool. Okay, bro. I'm looking at you. You know who you are. Get, get a couple pumps in before you hit the beach. Oil up, but stay cool, man. Cause you're the problem at the beach. You're the problem guy who worked all year to take his shirt off at the beach. It's you. You get drunk. You miss alcohol and steroids, and then you just do dumb stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. I know it because I've seen it. Be safe. We'll see y'all on Monday, Tuesday. We'll see y'all on, on the Tuesday. Brownie and Lawhead, happy birthday, America. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, that's the president thing. Whatever. Peace. Yeah.